The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. <laughs> Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Scott often does the here's with Jonathan, so he was just doing that. Now you don't always hear him. Um, we're coming to you live here this Wednesday. We're in Salem, New Hampshire, and we are going to talk about coming together over the dog. I have no idea what the hell we're talking yeah, about, but we, do we have a quirky tip today? We haven't. We haven't been here together, just us for a bit, so I we got to squirt, ease back into it. You want to squirt the pig? All right. The quirky tip of the day is um, give yourself some grace and also give your partner some grace, especially when it comes to dealing with the dog and everything else. And we were kind of tweeting this apart. This happens often with our clients, and there's obviously some marital tension with all things when it comes to raising the kids and raising the dogs and just coexisting in general. But is the dog ruining your relationship is a pretty popular episode for us on all platforms. Everybody likes to go and see that. So we were thinking, let's reverse the rhetoric a little bit and talk about coming together over the dog. You know, before we get too deep into that. All right. What do you have I here? was just this morning reading the Kansas City Star. Oh, my God. See, he's going to these things with There me was first. A, a story here, and the title is, Woman Sinks Teeth into Neighbor's Pit Bull to Protect Her Pomeranian. Wow. How did that work out for? And um, I was thinking about Gigi because... <laughs> You know, it hasn't. It's, it's still very fresh. She's on the, the home loss. screen of this exact phone. So this lady let her Pomeranian out to go potty in the morning, and this loose pit bull ran into her yard and attacked her dog. Wow. She heard the dog screaming. She ran out there, dove into the dogs, and grabbed this pit bull, bit the pit bull by the ear, wow. thrashed him about a little bit, <laughs> uh, and uh, saved her dog. She was okay? Had a couple of punctures. Wow. The pit bull was in rough shape. That's quite the news story. She had a loose tooth. I don't know tooth. if she you'd some, go She had some punctures in her arm. I don't know if you'd go bite a pit bull's ear for a squirt, but I guess so. That's uh, what you're saying, squirt I don't think she, she wouldn't pig. have even needed it. I think she probably could have All held right. her own well, there. thanks for the little Anyway, I just wanted to share. It's a successful... We wouldn't recommend biting a dog that's attacking your dog, but to each their own, whatever works in your household and whatever can save the little dogs. All right, so coming together over the dog. Um, when I first met Scott and getting to know Scott, I always complimented him for his emotional intelligence. He's very good. I mean, obviously, when you're doing any type of sales, you need to be good at dealing with people and emotions. But I had taken very... a course on how to look smart. <laughs> I was just trying it out. But he's very good at, you know, reading that dynamic. And I happen to be decent with interpersonal skills, too. So frequently, when we're doing lessons alone or doing lessons together or whatever else, some tensions kind of start to arise between, I would say, more often than not a couple that, you know, has a dog. And even separate from how they raise the kids. I mean, you can attest to this, too. This happens quite frequently. Well, I see a lot of tension uh, arise when I'm at a class training spouses, uh, especially husband and wife. And... uh, Quite often, you know, the husband says, oh, you go ahead and do it. You know, I'll watch. And then uh, then he starts critiquing <laughs> immediately. Oh, don't do it like that. L- loosen up the leash. Or like they'll you say know? a snide <laughs> remark like, Which it's stressful for everybody, yeah, first yeah. of all, just to learn something new. So everyone has to deal with the stress of doing something that's completely out of your wheelhouse, you know. So everyone needs to just relax a little bit and and realize that it's not going to go perfect and everything gets screwed up and it's no big deal. Well, and also the dogs, like it's throwing your partner under the bus and we're going to mainly focus on partners and spouses here because this is where we see it pop up is 
the, the most frequently. But throwing the other person under the bus isn't really helping the cause either, right? And I understand that everyone has different strengths and weaknesses when it comes to dealing with animals and training and everything else. And we even have that within our own marriage. But we're going to give you some tools. What do on, we have? You're better at certain things, and I'm better at certain things. You're good at them hanging out on the couch and the, the, the fun, and I, I do a lot of the feeding. And I'm the a pottying. specialist in relaxing. <laughs> he likes to chill all the dogs out. <laughs> no, but but really, and and cater to each other's strengths, and then build each other up. So one thing I want to say, just as a blanket statement, and this is true, and we've seen it all across the board. Yes, you want everybody to be on the same page when you raise a dog. However, if you're not. You each can have different rules with the same animal. That happens all the time. Scott's dogs have different rules with me than he applies. Same thing with my dogs. They probably have no rules with him. However, it's going to work. It doesn't matter. But if you have certain criteria, yes, it would be ideal if every single person in the house listened the exact same way and interacted with the dog the exact same way. But if they don't, it doesn't mean that the dog can't act differently for you because we see that frequently. Yeah, I mean, there are some caveats there. You know, like if, if you have a dog that... You've had complaints because of nuisance barking in your backyard, and you know, okay, I can't leave this dog unattended or unsupervised, or I need to be very conscious of listening for that dog, make sure they don't bark and upset neighbors. You don't want then your kids or your spouse to let the dog out and put their headphones on and this dog is barking. Yeah, no, I'm talking more about like rules. Like, you know, okay, if you're going to cook in the kitchen, the dog stays out of the kitchen if you prefer that or the dog needs to sit at the door. Like if that's a rule that you really want to have with your relationship with your dog, if your spouse doesn't do it, it's not your spouse's fault if the dog's not doing it for you. Like, you can create a different relationship with different rules. That's more oh, yeah, where I'm headed. Can, your dog should be able to behave for you. And and if the dog is getting in, inconsistent communication from someone else, the dog's going to behave inconsistently. Yeah, that's, for that that's person. The bottom line. But yeah. it, it, if you're consistent, it should work. And we see it a lot just as the trainers coming in, stepping in, taking the leash, and the dog understanding, like, oh, okay, like I have to, I'm, I can listen for you. I'm used to you having clear criteria. And then if the owners are handling the leash, maybe the behavior is a little less than desired or whatever else, or the dog's flaking or who knows what they're doing. But we see a change in behavior a lot based on who's holding the leash. And sometimes, like recently, we've had some more difficult dogs, and Scott and I have both been going on the returns and the follow-up lessons, like all four of us will take the leash. Like that husband takes the leash, that wife takes the leash, I take the leash, Scott takes the leash, because we're trying to tweet apart, like where is the dog's head? Why might this be happening? And why does it look different for one person than another? Because even if all the mechanics are the same, the energy of whoever's holding the leash or working with the dog is different. Uh, Some people are scared to be on the spot. If there's trainers there or anything else. So there's always things that are in flux. However, if there's a behavior that you want and certain rules that you want for feeding time, pottying, whatever it is, whatever you choose, you can still make that criteria clear for you. And whatever happens with the dog walker, your husband, even the kids shouldn't affect your relationship with the dog entirely if you're committed to the consistency there. One thing I see um, fairly often is, and it just happens to be that the reality is it's a woman that is home uh, more than the man. The man is still kind of that traditional scenario where the man may not be home all day. He comes home at night and the woman is having a very difficult time with the dog throughout Mm -hmm. the day. And when she gets home, she tells the husband, I, I, we got to get some training. I got to call someone. The dog is impossible. And the, and the husband completely dismisses that person's (laughs) complaint and says, Oh no, the dog's fine. I love the dog. It's no problem. I can walk the dog and all this stuff. And, uh, that creates a lot of tension and friction between the couple right there, because you need to give your partner's feelings some credibility and listen to them and say, okay, I understand what's going on and how can we help make this better for you? 
And a lot of times people don't want to do that, but it's, it's a real problem. I mean, it's different. You know, it's like grandkids. If you come home or you play with grandkids for an hour and spoil them rotten and then they all go to bed, it seems like it's not a big deal. You're not dealing with them all day long, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. And with that said, so if that is a place that someone's at who's listening or watching today and you do have this issue... Maybe call a dog trainer just for a consult, just yourself. Like that was going to be my next segue is that not everything, not only do not all the rules have to be the same for everything, but not all the activities have to be the same for everyone, right? Like maybe the person likes going out in the woods with the dog. So one spouse takes the dog out for a like loose leash walk in the woods. And then the other person does more of like the specific training and stuff indoors. And you can have someone come and give you some help and give you some advice just for while you're home with the dog during the day alone. And that does happen quite frequently, or there's, you know, an issue about price point or something else. But just because, you know, your husband may not want to make that leap, especially today, there's so many resources online to look and places to go, especially some paid online courses that can be really helpful for people like search and see if you can get some help for yourself. And if your spouse isn't, you know, supporting that, that doesn't mean that that wouldn't help your day-to-day life at all. I agree with you. Okay. So some common triggers, I would say, um, One thing that we see often is like if Scott's doing a class with someone or when we're both doing a class with someone and the other spouse isn't there, people get pretty nitpicky getting that criticism from the partner or the spouse, if that makes sense. So let's say, for instance, the wife is out to a meeting that night. We're doing a class with the husband alone. And now the husband's telling the wife what we did in that class and trying to relay the information secondhand. That often can get kind of conflictual and, well, you know, the trainer said this and this should happen and everything else. So one thing we try to do is if there's just one party there is sometimes we'll even take video. So it's all on video. Like this, this was the process. This is how we did it. So they can go and review the video together to tweet it apart. Because, even, even for yourself. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to remember whatever you did today for an hour Tomorrow it's going to be diluted. Three days from now, you're going to be doing something totally different than what you thought you absorbed on that first day. So not only for your own practice and, you know, for your best result for your own follow-up, but, you know, so you guys are looking at the same thing. And it happens all the time in a lesson too, right? We're looking at the exact same thing. There's two people there. One person sees it totally different than the other person. But if there's a professional there that you're paying, they can explain why they've done it this way or why they would suggest you do it this way versus hearing it from your spouse. You know what I mean? Most people are not like Scott and I, and that's lucky. I mean, Scott and I do a lot of things together. We run businesses together. We podcast together. We are together a lot. Most people have separate jobs or separate lives, and then they come together with family stuff at night, over the kids, over the dogs. They're not used to necessarily working together in a manner like 24-7, kind of like we are. So for those people, you can start to step on each other's toes a little bit. Maybe you start taking on more of a role at work where you're like telling your employees how to do something and you're doing that with the spouse. That could piss your spouse off. So give them some grace if you're not always there at the lesson together. And then what you're learning doesn't necessarily have to be what they're doing. I cannot reiterate that enough. It does not mean this one size fits all model. And think of separate activities. Think of things that people enjoy to do that you're good at. A lot of times what could happen is when someone walks into the house, whether it be a kid or a partner or anything else, the energy of the dog will change, whether that be because the dog's really excited to see the person or the person comes in with stress Who knows why that is? But then yourself think about, okay, I'm going to take the dog for an hour walk before this trigger happens to see if I can calm the dog down, get the dog in a, you know, situation where he's been able to mentally and physically exercise himself a little bit more before the dog is placed into the situation. Try to come up with some like kind of smart ways, not conniving, but some ways to deal with things. I have a friend whose husband smokes. 
She does not like that every time he goes out to have a cigarette outside, the dogs just fly out the door. Can't stand that. No door behavior, everything else. I said, put in a freaking gate. Like, have a gate there that he has to go through that the dogs can't go through. Like, get creative with how you're managing things. Because sometimes we don't just have to manage dogs. We also have to manage the people within the household also. It's hard. Uh, we have, a, I think, kind of a unique situation where we have a house full of dogs, but we don't have any dogs that is like a house dog, like a family dog. Like most of my clients, they get a dog for the family. They get a dog, they think they're getting it for the kids and it's really for them and it's for the family. Whereas I have my dogs, you have your dogs. Yeah. And that can create some conflict because the way I handle my dogs and the way I handle your dogs is has to be yeah, a little consistent. bit, but we've had house dogs in the past. Like Bam was a family dog. Like we've had dogs like that in dog. the past. And I adopted she her. Was, <laughs> she was really Scott's dog, if we're going to call that out. <laughs> but I would say like Jimmy is the closest thing to that. And even if we're going to go to that level, like Jimmy sleeps with us every night. We joke around that Jimmy's the chew glue. Like don't put too much pressure on the dog either, right? Because they're reading the energy. So if Jimmy's trying to make me feel good, make Scott feel good, make the marriage feel good, that's a lot of pressure on the damn dog. Like if you have stress, don't always have the dog involved in that. Like, take it elsewhere also. Well, I was thinking uh, not about that at all, but I was thinking the easiest way to annoy you <laughs> is for me to get uh, irritated with your dogs. <laughs> like, if your dog comes and jumps on me, I'm like, get your freaking dog off me, yeah, off the couch, and then you're anymore, all upset. Oh, I know, because it's a trigger. I, all right, you know, all right not, let's go I'm to break before idiot. we get too deep into triggers, and then we'll address <clears> more after. <throat> Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast, like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, we're back. The music was nice fade in, fade out this week, too. I'm excited. So if we're going to be talking about that facet of it, which is a good thing to talk about, yes, maybe... You have two dogs in the family, and one person wanted the big dog, and then the other person wanted the little dog. Or maybe one person didn't want a dog at all, and someone begged to have the dog. Be careful that once you commit to bringing a dog into your home, using terms like your dog, or, you know, this, isn't, this wasn't my thing, or my dog, or anything else. Because really, once you commit to having a dog in your family, it's a family dog. Now, yes, Scott and I specifically have dogs that are our own personal dogs that we've trained personally and everything else, but they are family dogs. So, in that same vein, some, half the time we're saying, like, your dog, my dog, just to know who we're talking about, just to get things moving along from an organizational perspective. But be careful of, like, persecuting the other person whenever something goes wrong. And you'll see this in parenting a lot, too, and this drives me crazy. The kid's being an asshole. You're like, oh, you're your father's kid. The kid's great. Oh, my kid did so great today. Like, it, it's, it's a collective, right? And it's similar with the dog, too. So you have to own the good, and you have to own the bad. But blaming the bad on the other person when you're not stepping up and making the dog commit to certain rules and everything with you, you will see some fallout with. Blaming in general is just a waste of time. Yeah, it's just it negative is. energy. You it need is. To, if the dog isn't behaving the way you'd like, take steps and get that dog behaving the way you'd like them to behave. That's, that's what it's all about. No. Same with the kids. The kids aren't behaving yeah. the way you'd like. Start creating an atmosphere and uh, so that this kid is starting to behave the way you want them to behave. Yeah, and you, you know? can manage the dogs, obviously, a lot easier than you can manage the kids. But be conscientious of what steps you're taking to not allow the crap to just continue to be the crap or get worse. And what do you really hate? Like, you can say, I hate everything about this dog. This dog sucks. The dog has no redeeming qualities. 
Well, if you like sitting on the couch with the dog at the end of the day and petting it, you don't hate every facet of the dog. So what is the most important? Like, what are your top triggers that really bother you? And then start to unpack those. You had a call a few weeks ago. Um, I think it was a lady in Portsmouth. And she was like, nothing makes me more angry than when the dog does this. And she was like, serious. Like, I heard her through the phone. And that's totally fine. And she was being honest with herself and everything else. But sometimes, like, the dog can trigger you in a way that nothing at work can, nothing in your marriage can, nothing anywhere else in the world can. And then all of a sudden it's coming from the dog. And you always say that's a good time to look kind of into your own self. Yeah. It's a good ego check, you know, because really it's (laughs) about control. You think you, you, maybe you have a high power job or high power position. You control a lot of people and, and make very important decisions all day long. And you get home and your dog just like lifts his leg on you. It's like, (laughs) fuck you. You know, I mean, that's just, it's humbling. And, uh, it's, I think it's there. The dog's there for a reason. Yeah. You know what and, I mean? Well, that is true. And we can learn about a lot, of, our, a lot about ourselves, a lot about our triggers, a lot about our parenting styles and everything else through the dogs. But the bottom line is we need to make it work. And yes, there's going to be conflict. Yes, it's not always going to be smooth sailing. But figure out ways to make it better. If your spouse likes to take the dog out, have them take the dog to Cumberland. Have them take the dog as frequently as possible. Assigning different roles for the dogs, for the dog's greater good, is very important. Everything doesn't have to be together. And I feel like we see it frequently with the like younger couples that get a dog that are kind of like testing out the waters. Maybe they're married. Maybe they're engaged. Maybe they're just living together. And this is kind of like, all right, this is our test for the kid, right? So everything they do with the dog, they do together, which I'm not saying there's a problem there, but like just going to the pet store or just going to the vet or something else, it doesn't always have to be both the mom and the dad at first. So assign different roles, let the dog go with each person, depending on what their strengths are and everywhere else. And then also at home, like be conscientious of how much stress you're allowing that dog to cause you. If the dog's under your feet all the time, put a freaking gate up. If the dog's barking outside all day, bring the dog in, give it something to chew on. Like be careful of allowing the things that make you literally seethe. Like you're like, I cannot believe the dog is doing this again to the trees and the squirrels figure out ways to make that the least amount of your day rather than hear it for a half an hour or hours or whatever on end. Yeah. And I would say that if the dog is triggering you and really, really getting under your skin, it's probably not the dog at all. Yeah. It's it's just, you know, it's everything. It's just the culmination of a lot of stresses in a lot of different places. And sometimes the dogs can take a lot of heat because uh, they're like victims. They can't talk back and and they can get, I I don't want to say the word abused, but they can just be everyone. It's easy to point at the dog and say the dog it's is driving fault. me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, to project your stress not, onto the dog. It's not the dog. You know, yeah. the dog is just a dog. And uh, you know, we just had a really challenging dog. And speaking of that, and I said, told Jess, I said, this dog really taught us both a lot about ourselves. And Jess was like devastated. I mean, this dog just drove her crazy for two weeks, right? Amy, if you're watching, we love you. Great dog. And I told her, I said, when the dog went home, I said, I'm very optimistic about this dog. And, but he, but he was tough. He was a really strong, really strong leash reactivity. And, um, just a tough dog, but Jess is a is accustomed to getting things done, making things happen. And this dog wasn't going to get it done in her timeline or my timeline. Yeah. We had to nurse this dog along and try to make, and the dog did get a little better each day, not at the rate we're accustomed to. Yeah. 
it was slower. It was but so the, extreme. We were doing it, Wim Hof breathing the on the ground great, the though. other day. We're doing Wim Hof breathing. Scott goes, I want to do this new guy. We're both on the ground breathing. We're done with the session. And he goes, I think the dog, I think God spoke to us through the dog. <laughs> That's what Scott says. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, you know, it was just a really good way for us to check our egos. Like we can't fix everything in the way that we think and the manner that we think. And honestly, yeah. the dog is progressing at home so well. We're so happy and thrilled. Great. But they're a thousand percent committed too, which helps. But it is a good time to self-reflect. And for us, we're just so accustomed to training our own dogs and clients dogs and all these other dogs that it's just like, you know, we just cycle through it, but there's learning lessons for us still popping up. That's why Scott and I so frequently reference humility, especially as dog trainers. Like it's never clear cut. Like the people out there who are offering guarantees, totally different podcasts, the biggest scam that you can come up with. And we never, ever understand it when we read it. We're like, uh, uh, what do you want? Did you want to do this dog that we did four years ago? Like, are you crazy? Like if you are experienced in the dog industry, you know that nothing is a guarantee with live animals. Whenever some website says we guarantee everything and we're going to do this, that, and the other thing, and it's going to be this much money, I think either they're naive and they're new in the industry or they're complete scam, yeah. complete con artists. Yeah, I mean, I had a guy call me. I was working with his dog, and he wanted to do a forced retrieve. Yeah. And I said, yeah, we can work on that. You know, it takes time, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I mean, even if you're going to do a forced hard retrieve, it's not going to happen in a day. Yeah. It takes a little time. Especially with a freaking pet dog. <laughs> yeah. So I said, you know, we could work. And he goes, and he calls me up and says, I found a website, a guy in Connecticut. He can do a forced retrieve weekend, and it'll be all done, guaranteed. We're like, all right, enjoy. I said, you know something? Send the dog down yeah. there, and when he comes back, I want to meet with you. I want to see this force retrieve and how great it is because I've never – I just don't think it's going to happen with your dog that – and God, and really the dog probably would have got brutalized. But, Who knows? But I, the point we is – We didn't hear any things, follow-up about things it. Things don't happen. Yeah. On uh, everyone's timeline. Money doesn't fix everything. Yeah. A lot of times with dogs, it's about time and patience and consistency. It's not about throwing money at a situation, you know? Yeah. And if you don't have the time, you don't have the patience – it's not going to happen. And I learned that a long time ago when people just said, hey, I'm really busy. Here's my credit card. Take the freaking dog. I'm like, slow down. Yeah. Slow down. As soon as the nanny shows because up for the consult, we're it, like, no, we need not, to meet the owners. You're not going to be happy with me by yeah. giving me a credit card and expecting this to be all like this. This dog is rebooted like a computer. There you go. You know, And it's so never much of happen. that is the interpersonal stuff that you work on with the dog. You know what I mean? And we're really big, like with our board and train program. And I don't know how it's turned into that so much, but a lot of people just do like a follow up on the return. We're very like, you need to be committed to those four follow-ups. Like we do a fifth Zoom lesson if you want it. Like we need you guys on board because we're putting our, you know, blood, sweat and tears into this as well. Like we need the owners to be there too. And it's for the greater good of the dog, but you're going to have to work through some stuff. And what's happening frequently too, is I feel like the kids have all grown up. They're going off to college. They have their careers. They're doing well. Like you've gotten to the point where they're through high school. They're living on their own, everything else. And then all of a sudden you're freaking parenting again with the dog, right? Like you want to fill the void of having an empty house with the dog. And maybe it is bringing up stuff from the past, but that is okay. Like look at it more from a playful perspective. Like, oh, there's my trigger there. Like, okay, I know that that drives me nuts when he does this. And let your freaking husband go out and make an idiot of himself out in the yard if he wants to. As long as the dog is not being harmed and as long as the people are enjoying the dog in their own individual right, yeah. it is okay. This I mean, control I make freak, an idiot out of myself on a daily basis. <laughs> but, but trying to control everything <laughs> makes it more stressful for the dog, more stressful for the spouse and everything else. And at the end of the day, they're here so we can enjoy them, right? Like, how can we enjoy them more? So different roles is good. Different activities is good. 
just laughing it off. Like at the end of the day, it's freaking dog training, right? You know, there was all this big controversy at the AKC World Team Tryouts. Everybody's like, at the end of the day, it's dogs jumping over plastic. Like that's all we're all freaking out about. And put it into perspective of the the greater world and everything else. And that's why Scott's saying is if you're having these deep-seated triggers of like anger or frustration or sadness or feeling like you're incomplete or something else, that probably isn't about your dog at a certain degree. And journal, like in How to Calm Your Canine, you guys, yes, there's exercises, stepping on the leash and creating your dog and everything else, but it's like meditating with your dog, journaling with your dog. One reason I freaking love the whole concept of canine healing is if you go back in the Instagram, some of the first like month's post is Scott meditating with Cousteau every day for a half an hour. I've sped it up, but like we commit to those things. It's important to us. And if you're having struggles, like get a notebook out, write down what's pissing you off. Maybe that turns into something in life or something with a friend or something with a family member or something at work. That is okay, but get it out because the dog should not be causing this visceral reaction where you're like, oh my God, everything was fine until the dog was here. Yes, they can be frustrating. We deal with clients a lot of times that are frustrated by their dogs and we can get frustrated with their dogs, their behaviors. It's, it's, th- th- things are not easy out there. I understand it, especially if you have a rescue with baggage or a high drive puppy or something else. However, come up with point a plan A and you know get to point A to point B. Come up with a plan so you're not just living in this cycle of stress and concern <clears throat> and fury because the dog sense as soon as they're spinning you out of control and that's not helping the situation either. Yeah, and if you have a dog that you got as a puppy and now the dog is two, three, five years old and, there's, and this dog triggers you left and right, there's a good possibility that what the dog is doing is just a reflection of what you are dealing with yourself, you know, because quite often when we, I see a dog that has a lot of anxiety and I can tactfully say, do you experience anxiety yourself? And they're like, oh yeah, oh my God, I, I have so much anxiety about it. Well, the dog is picking that up and reflecting that back at you. You guys are both being anxious together. So really to fix the dog, the first step is get yourself a little calm down. Yeah, you know, and just that's at where least the meditation you, comes in. That's it, where this, these things yes. come in, where you need to calm down a bit. Yeah, and it's not to for stress. For the sake of the dog. It's not to stress you out about your own mental health issues or anything else, but it, uh, honestly, oh, we what all we got, like. We all got issues. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the counter, we're issue heavy. But literally, you guys, as far as it goes with the dogs, our greatest like achievement, I think, in what we do as a profession is when helping the dog helped the people. And it happens often. Like we see people's confidence boost or we see people actually like living in the moment. They can't be thinking about their work call. They can't be thinking about their son that freaking got a second detention this week in school. They can't be letting their brain spin out of control because they have to be in the moment. And people say to us all the time, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the change I feel in myself or the change I feel in the energy, the household and everything else. And that's truly like something that's so powerful to us. Like, yes, we want to be helping dogs and helping dogs be a better fit for family members. But that transcends to the humans. Like we can learn a lot about ourselves through our dogs. So be conscientious of these things. And I know that marital stuff can be an issue. We see it time and time again with clients and, you know, picking up on little triggers here and little snide remarks here and everything else. But try to just I, I don't want to say hold them inside. I don't want you to keep those things inside, but try to approach them differently. Like well, I said, maybe witness, more playfully. Yeah, witness and it. Witness it and be upfront that it's happening and that it's coming out because the less that those things are perpetuated, the sooner everybody can kind of be more in harmony. That is the whole point, right? To have a family and a home where you go home and you're like, oh, I'm home. Not more stress. Not the dog freaking out. Not the kids making things worse and everything else. At least that's our goal up in Maine. 
Yeah, and I, you know, it, it takes time. Everything takes time and patience, you know, and try to, and maturity. You know, in my case, it's been emotional maturity that has taken me a lifetime to get to the adult range of emotional maturity. I <laughs> just turned he's 60. Almost, he's almost drinking age and his emotional yeah, maturity. It's, emotional it's, intelligence. It's true. I mean, I, you know, I, this thing popped into my head when we're talking about the dog and these triggers. My son, my middle son, when he was uh, very young, he was maybe four or five, and we had just done this big remodel and we had this beautiful home in California. And he took a magic marker and started draw, like drew all over this freshly painted wall in this home that was just finished. We just moved into it. And it just <laughs> triggered me. I was furious. Now, I didn't, I didn't hit him or anything. But I went in his room. Yeah, of course, he's five years old. He's got a freaking TV in his room. I just ripping TVs <laughs> off the wall and like he's not having this. And he, you know, it was such an exaggerated response to what happened. It had nothing to do with what he did on the wall. It was about all the stress I had in my life to get to that point. And and your ego. And it's all so this often it was about so our much ego. Other stuff yeah. that I was projecting into this little kid that put a little marker on the wall. Could it was easily fixed and painted but these exaggerated responses to things these exaggerated emotional responses that's the stuff take it you know you just want to take a breath and realize when it's the it's exaggerated in relation to what's going on it's not about what's going on at all yeah and it happens with dogs all the time they pee on a rug that you just got you're furious about it's not about the rug it's something bigger yeah. going on there, you know? Yeah. So a little introspection for your sake, for the dog's sake, and for your marriage's sake, right? Like, it is not easy being with someone, you guys. We just, we were married seven years this year. We've been together 11 years. There is a lot of ins and out of marriage, and we do pretty well, but it, it's not easy. So give your partner some grace. Like, back off a little bit. Be upset about the dirty shoes. Be upset about the car door and the toilet, you know, seat not closing. But don't let the dog be the thing that gets in between your, yeah, you two. It, if you have a good relationship, a dog isn't going to ruin it, first of all. <laughs> and a kid isn't and going to ruin it. And then if you have either. to get divorced, you got to go and have the dog and the shared custody. It's a whole pain in the ass. So yeah. fix it while you can. Take whatever ideas you can from this podcast. Um, and in the meantime, we're just going to have a harmonious Wednesday, just the two of us and our animals. Yeah. That's and, what we um, do best. We are, the lilacs are in bloom. <laughs> It's a beautiful time. We get in our ice every morning. I got some sweet potatoes growing this year. I got some onions growing. No cannabis. I decided (laughs) to take a break because I grew so much of it last year. I still have some. And yeah, I'm just too good at growing that crop. I have no place to put it. Now we're in the ice making phase. So now we're doing sweet potatoes this year. (laughs) All right, um, you guys. Have a great week. Give everybody some grace and keep it quirky. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.